God, please take your Bibles and turn them to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. The name of this message is Walking with Jesus in the Days of Noah. Walking with Jesus in the Days of Noah. And it's a little play on words there because we don't walk with Jesus in the days of Noah, but Noah walked with Jesus in the days of Noah. And he's a picture of what we're supposed to do in days that will be like the days of Noah. We read in Colossians uh, chapter 2, Therefore, as you have received Christ as, or Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord? Yeah, Man, we better make sure you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord. Because the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, As many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And, but therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, or the Lord, so what? What does he say? So walk in him. It's interesting. How do you walk in a person? Because Jesus isn't merely human. He's the God man. Amen. And while he has a human body, he still fills the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth cannot contain him. Amen. But he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And we walk in him in the sphere of his person as, as the one who is God and man. And he says, walk in him. So it's one thing, many people say they've received Jesus Christ. Oh, I've received him as my Lord and Savior. But uh, they don't have a walk. We talked about that last week, amen? We talked about, you know, faith without works is dead. And we need to make sure we really know the Lord and what it means to really know the Lord and so forth. So I want to make sure that we've received him as our Lord. And as Lord means master, that means, you know, God won't save that which won't obey him, okay? And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? So if he's really our Lord, we need to obey him, amen? And that means we need to walk in him. Verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So we're supposed to be firmly rooted and be built up in him. So there's in him again. We're to be built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed uh, and overflowing with gratitude. When you're built up in your faith, you can overflow in gratitude. It's people that aren't being built up in their faith, that aren't growing, that aren't seeking the Lord, that are going to be filled with whining, you know, complaining and dissatisfaction in life. But no matter what you're going through, when you have a walk with Jesus, you're being built up in your faith, you can have incredible joy. You know, amen? You can have, you know, Paul says he learned to be content in whatever situation he's in. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is about walking with Jesus. And it's just been on my heart to emphasize intimacy with the Lord lately. That's why last week, one of the reasons last week I did a message on knowing Jesus, making sure you know him, because so many people are going to be so shocked on judgment day, saying, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. You didn't do the will of the Father. Wow. They never lined up with the Father's will. They didn't really know the Lord. Depart from me. I never knew you. So I want to make sure we know him and we have a relationship with him. And then if you receive him as Lord, now you need to walk with him. Amen? You need to walk in him. You need to walk with him. You know, sometimes when we encourage each other, we want to know where someone's at, and we want to make sure they're following Jesus. We ask them, how's your walk going? You know what? And they don't just like, oh, it looks all right. I'm kind of struggling. You know, they, don't, they're not talking, they know you're not talking about their physical walk. You're talking about their spiritual walk. Amen? And sometimes they say, you know, it's going great. Praise God. 
Sometimes it's like, oh, man, I'm going through a struggle. And you, you need to ask him, hey, uh, you know, want me to, you know, you'd like me to pray for something, or can I pray with you? I want to encourage each other in our spiritual walks, amen? And that means praying for each other. That means encouraging each other. Because it's critical that we are walking in Jesus and that we are on the narrow road that leads, leads to life. And it's, you're established in your faith, your, your trust in Jesus, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. God wants us to overflow with gratitude. So it's important and it's imperative that we're walking with him. Because it's going to get tougher. Anybody notice an increase in ugliness in the world? You know, states across the nation, specifically the states that we're into fermenting, uh, the, you know, defund the police, are at all time, all over the nation, fill all time homicide rates. Sometimes double and triple what they were in the past. It's getting crazy out there. And we want to read now, I want to go to Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. And Lord, Father, we pray you do encourage us through your word today. In verse chapter 17, verse 26, Jesus says, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. That's heavy. And Jesus says it could be like that when he comes back. And sometimes people think it's just going to be such severe judgment. And there will be severe judgment. But they think everybody's going to be just hiding from hailstones throughout the tribulation period. No, there's people getting married still right at the very end. You've got to keep that in mind. There's people building still. Someone's going to be rebuilding, right? Because things will be destroyed. But life will continue to go on. In fact, right before the Lord returns in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, he says, Come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her sins and her plagues. Babylon is still thriving in some ways with people with the mark of the beast and, you know, they're buying and selling and so forth. And then just sudden destruction will come upon them like travail upon a woman. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like travail upon a woman in childbirth, the scriptures say. And it'll be like a thief in the night. Bam! Oh, there'll be severe judgment all around the world. There'll be half the planet will be wiped out before, more than half of the people will be wiped out before Christ even comes back. But there will still be marrying, people given in marriage, and so forth, and building, and, and what have you. And he says it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And there's something fascinating about Noah that I love, and it's a really awesome scripture and we're told about Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. You know what he says in the first verse in regard to when he says this is the account of Noah, what he emphasizes, what the Lord emphasizes? Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. I love that, man. Let that be what's remembered about you. Can that, hopefully that'll be said at your funeral. Amen? I mean, if the Lord doesn't return before you have a funeral. You know, things are heating up. It's getting pretty crazy out there. But that you walked with God faithfully. That you were upright. That you were blameless. That you were living a life that was not full of scandal, but you were living for Jesus. And now there seems to be scandals everywhere. You know, in the churches and with, you know, preachers and every facet of life, actually. And we need to stay close to Jesus. 
And Noah, how could he have such a strong walk? Well, he walked faithfully with God. He had the Lord. It wasn't in his own strength. And I don't want to emphasize, because it will, it's getting like the days of Noah right now, but I don't want to emphasize all the ways like the way it's, you know, how it's like the days of Noah today. I didn't want to spend a whole message on the parallels. I've done that before. Look at how it was in the days of Noah and look how it is now. So I might spend two, three minutes on that. But I want this to be more of a devotional message and make sure we're walking like Noah. But if you go to Genesis 6, the first verses, you can, you don't have to, you'll see that there was a population explosion. Humanity began to increase on the planet in Noah's day. Well, there's a huge population explosion in the last hundred years of human history. Several times what it was in the 1900s, early 1900s. Now we're in the billions and billions of people, you know? And there was a population explosion, but we also are told that violence filled the earth. Violence filled the earth. This world is getting more violent. Jesus said lawlessness would increase and evil men would wax worse and worse. The scriptures tell us that there was sexual perversion. The, the, the sons of God had relations with the daughters of men. Demonic type stuff. And now so many people in high places practice what they call sex magic. And it's very, very perverse. And they try to get in touch with incubuses and succubuses, which are demons that manifest in the female or male form. In a, in a spiritual way, at least. And... The scriptures say their thoughts were only evil continually. I mean, this, they didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have a lot of the stuff, you know, they didn't have anything like what we have today. It's far more wicked in many ways today with many people. I mentioned to you Sunday, uh, this, this producer, the big time producer on CNN, after Cuomo gets ousted, his producer gets arrested. And I mentioned that he was a, uh, with a girl as young as nine years old. Now another revelation, and, and now they say, well, there's also a seven-year-old. I mean, this is wicked, and this world is begging to be judged by God. And it is much like the days of Noah. But I don't want to spend time with all those parallels. I want to spend time with the parallels of how are we supposed to be in light of that? What, what should our walks look like? What would we look like before the Lord? Well, certainly, we must be walking with Jesus. Amen? And uh, it's important for you and I to understand that if we're going to walk with the Lord, we need to repent. <laughs> because repent, the word metanoia and metanoeo, or uh, both repent and repentance, you know, uh, metanoeo and, and metanoia, repent and repentance. That word means to have a change of heart or change of mind, right? Change of will. But that repentance, I want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but it means you change direction in your heart. Because we're on the broad road, right, leading to destruction, and then we turn to Jesus, Right? He said, broad and spacious is the road that leads to destruction. Many go that way. But narrow is the gate, strays away, it leads to life, and few are those who find it. Few. How many got on the ark? Not a lot of people, amen? Few. <laughs> you don't want to think, oh, well, yeah, I'll make it. You know, 
You want to make sure that you know Jesus and that you are following him and that you make sure that you repent of your sins and that you turn from wickedness and that you're truly walking in him because otherwise we're in severe trouble. And I'll tell you what, Noah had the fear of the Lord. You will not walk with the Lord in the way you ought to walk unless you fear God. Proverbs chapter 1, which you ought to be teaching your children. If you have children and you're a parent, you ought to be teaching them the Proverbs. You ought to be spending time in the Word with them. And if you say, well, I don't know the Word like you and some others, and Proverbs is pretty simple, guys. You can read it. You can be blessed by it. You can grow in it. And, and there's simple principles throughout Proverbs that are to be shared with your children. And the Word of God in general, you know. And it's so easy to teach the Word of God these days. I was babysitting little Russell uh, the other day, and uh, Lisa was doing most of it, and I was in my office working, and I'd come out every so many, every hour or two to just say, hey, how you doing, buddy? And just take him for a little while, and then she'd see me with him, and I'd read to him or play with him, whatever, and then she'd go do her whatever she, because it's, it's work, man. We forget, you know, we're grandparents, so it's a good reminder when you're with your grandkids that it is work, man. And I said, well, that's one kid, man. When it's got Holly's kids, you got four of them, you know, full of energy, you know, and they all have Holly and Chad's energy, so it's really fun. <laughs> uh, Rich is getting tired just hearing this, yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, and then he came in my office, and then I just, you know, I was going, I was, a little, I was working, man. I was, a little, you know, you know what I did? I just clicked in, went to YouTube, boom, David and Goliath. We watched, uh, you know, tried to find one of the shorter ones, you know, four or five minuteers, you know. And then we watched that and we talked about it a little bit, you know. And um, talked about David and talked about Goliath and talked about David being a picture of Jesus and stuff. I know it's a lot for a kid that's just three, but he's going to be four, so I thought he could handle it, you know. And then I showed him the Good Samaritan, you know. Then we talked about the Good Samaritan and how the Good Samaritan bore the burdens of this other guy and how Jesus bears our burdens, you know? It's simple. You just draw these lines from the scripture to Jesus, you know? And he went out and Lisa goes, hey, he told me all about the stories that you guys talked about and stuff. He's a three little kid, a little boy, you know? And you just bring them up in Jesus, you know? And, and sometimes the enemy will rip you off when you're trying to bring your kids up because he'll try to discourage you like it's work. Oh, it's going to be work to have devotions. Well, you make your life a devotion. And they'll always, often they'll come back like Rich is coming back right now. You see? <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go and loan his older he will not depart. And we've shown how that actually can be translated, you know, uh, uh, the opposite, you know. But it's interesting that, uh, and praise Lord Rich, we love you, bro. Uh, he's a great brother. So it's interesting, though, when you think about this, guys, is... Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when he warned about things not yet seen, in godly fear, it says, in godly fear, he built an ark. Wow. He built an ark in godly fear. He was warned by God and he built an ark in godly fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the application of God's truth. A lot of people know God's truth, but they don't fear him. Therefore, they don't apply his word to their lives. Amen? There's a lot of people here that actually are into the application, by God's grace, of his word to their lives. And a lot of that's because you love and fear the Lord. 
How do we love the Lord? We love him because he first loved us. That's why I emphasize the love of God so much. Because we need to know who he is and how good he is. But then it also makes you want to obey him. And we emphasize what he did on the cross because he was forgiven much what? Loves much. So I want us to love him more. So I always emphasize how awesome his forgiveness is, how awesome his love is. But I also talk about how radical he is and that he is a serious God. Amen. And Lord, keep me, the scriptures say, the psalmist says, from presumptuous sin. Just kind of doing your own thing. Like you're going to be fine. Lord, keep me from that. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is beginning to wisdom. Amen. It's a fountain of life. It's clean. It says it's everlasting because God is always radical. He's always to be praised. Amen. So you emphasize the fear of the Lord to your children. You emphasize the love of the Lord, but you emphasize that in your own life before your God and you walk with him. So Noah walked with the Lord and he knew the Lord loved him, but he also feared the Lord. And in these days, like the days of Noah, you want to be like Noah. Amen. You want to Walk with the Lord, but that's only going to happen if you fear the Lord. Now, the Bible says in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? Or as I think it's the living, new living translation, says how can two walk together unless they're going in the same direction? Well, you can't walk with the Lord if, he's, if you're going the opposite direction of life, Amen. If you're doing your own thing, you're not walking with the Lord. That's why metanoia needs to take place. That's why you need to repent. That's why uh, metanoia needs to take place. There needs to be repentance. Amen. Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. If Noah didn't repent, he would have simply perished like everybody else did in the flood. Jesus said twice. And he doesn't usually say the same exact thing right after he said, I mean, it's very rare. Except you repent, you all likewise perish. A couple verses later, 13.3 and then 13.5. Except you repent, you all likewise perish. He wants us to get that in our hearts. He wants to get that in our minds. The Holy Spirit made sure that that was recorded that way as well. Not that Jesus just said it twice. That happened. But because he wants us to know that God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't need to repent from sin. Okay. And have a change of heart, change of mind about living in a life, a life of sin and turn to Jesus. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And many people are believing it right now and they're not walking with the Lord and they're fooling themselves. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deluding your own selves. James chapter 1 verse 22. He that uh, claims to be religious but doesn't bridle his tongue, his religion is useless. James 1 26. Faith without works is dead. James chapter 2. Now it's important that we make sure that we turn to Jesus in our hearts. Now, the obedience that we do, the, the, the works, that's a result of our faith. We understand that, right? Okay, you don't work to get God's approval. You humble yourself and say, I'm doomed to have nothing to offer you. I need your grace. Have mercy on me. I turn to you in repentant faith, and then he forgives you. Amen? And then you walk with him, and you follow him. But it starts with repentance, and that's where it started with Noah. He walked with God. That verse tells us there. When it begins the account, no, he walked with God. And that's in the midst of it saying how wicked the world was. So keep in mind, it wasn't an easy thing because the world was filled with violence. It was only evil continually. People were having, sons of God were having sex with the daughters of men and it's just totally perverse. Yet he's walking with God. He sticks, stands out like a sore thumb. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't like he hid in a cave from everybody. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. Wow. 
<laughs> he preached righteousness. And all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And if he was living for the Lord, obviously he was suffering some persecution. Here's some parallels I want to share with you with regard to the ark. Because the, the ark and walking with Jesus and Noah's relationship to the ark saving him and him walking in the ark just as we are to walk in Christ Jesus as you've received him, so walk in him. The ark is a fascinating typology or picture of Jesus and the salvation that we have through, or they, Noah and his family had in the ark is a wonderful picture of Jesus. And it's a wonderful picture of how we are to relate in our walks with Jesus. And we can actually look at ourselves and say, hey, am I doing this? Because I'll tell you what, when the flood came and the water was rising, where would you rather be, outside the ark or in the ark? Well, the flood of God's wrath is coming. And the Bible says that he that believes on, on him passes from death to life. But the one who does not obey the son, the wrath of God abides on him. John chapter 3, verse 36. Now, number one, Noah found favor or received the provision of God's grace. The ark was the provision of God's grace. Amen. Would you agree with that? Would you say that's grace? Amen. Did Noah deserve it? No. Even if Noah was absolutely perfect, which he wasn't absolutely perfect, we wouldn't deserve uh, grace. You can never earn grace. But Noah was, no one was perfect except Jesus. And God provided that grace in the ark. Even so, guess what? Jesus is our ark. Amen. God provided Jesus to save us just as he provided Noah the ark. We don't go to the ark. We go to Jesus. But Jesus is our ark. So in a sense, we go to an ark that saves us from the wrath to come. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two... So before I move on to that, though, I want to ask you something. Uh, the provision is there, but do you recognize that you need Jesus? Because a lot of people then didn't recognize that they needed to be saved. They saw everybody else living like hell. They didn't see them being judged, typically. And then here's this Noah guy talking about how it's going to rain. And water's going to start dropping from the sky. At that time, we don't read about rain. In fact, when we read in Genesis, how did God water the earth? Does anybody remember? That's right. That's right. Good job, brother. Love when the young guys yell out the right answer. And when they yell out the wrong answer, I praise God that they're trying because we all get wrong answers too. Yeah, with a mist, huh? Just mist. I think if I lived in some states, I'd say, Lord, I can't wait till you. There's just a mist again, you know? Sometimes they just get the rain. It's crazy, but it's so green there too. And those states are so often. Now it's interesting, but you know, they're not recognizing God's provision of grace, but Noah was recognizing. You need to recognize that Jesus is the provision of God's grace for you. Number two, that this was a plan that God had established. Do you think it just occurred to God like, hmm, what can I do to get Noah out of this? No, it was his plan, amen? In fact, when you read the instructions that Noah gives, they're pretty elaborate as to how to build the ark. And God had this plan all along because all his works, the scriptures say in the book of Acts, are known before time. 
And it's interesting because Noah, God has this plan, but guess what? When did God plan to save you? Was it an afterthought? Some liberal theologians say, well, you know what was going on there is, you know, is Jesus did want to take over, but he didn't get big enough following and it didn't work out that way. And then he just changed things up and said, well, you know, then the apostles made this whole thing up about it being about his death. Ha, really? Well, yeah, they were looking for a conquering savior and a son of David. Well, that's just ignorance. If you really think that, that that was what happened, you aren't familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, you aren't even familiar with the Old Testament targums, commentaries in the Old Testament scripture, where they often talked about how there would be two comings. Two comings, yeah. Now, they thought there would be two messiahs because they'd read about this suffering servant messiah, and they call him Messiah ben Joseph, because like Joseph who suffered, there would be a messiah that suffers because they read about these scriptures that have to do with Messiah's suffering. But then they also believe, oh, there must be another Messiah because there's, there's, there's two Messiahs because there's another set of prophecies that talk about how he will be king, right? Son of David and have the, be on the, David's throne and have an everlasting kingdom. And, you know, he's going to come in the clouds, the book of Daniel, right? So they had two comings, Messiah ben Joseph, suffering Messiah, Messiah ben David. That's how the Jews, many of the Jews were looking for one of these two Messiahs to come. Well, guess which one they wanted to come first when they were under the Roman heel of oppression? They wanted Messiah ben David, ben son of, Messiah son of David. Didn't work out that way. Well, it's not two separate Messiahs, but it is two separate what? Two separate comings. And by the way, you might ask a Jew, hey, how do you reconcile? We're going to celebrate Christmas, right? Getting Christmas is coming up. And guess what? That's in Micah 5.2. It says he'd be born in Bethlehem. That's how he's going to come, right? Be born in Bethlehem. He's coming in Bethlehem. You read the book of Daniel, he's coming in the clouds of glory with his kingdom. That's a good thing. That's a good little puzzle for your Jewish friends that you're witnessing to, you know? Well, which is it? Uh, it's both. Amen? It says he came the first time in Hebrews chapter, chapter 9, verse 27. It says, it's appointed a man once to die, but after this, a judgment. In verse 28, it says he appeared the first time in reference to sin to die for our sins, but shall come a second time. It says a second time in reference to our salvation, our final salvation. Amen. That's the day we get glorified. We get our new bodies. Now, it's interesting. God had this all planned out. It's prophesied in scripture what Jesus would do. And this plan was already set in motion and hatched in the mind of God from everlasting in fact, we read, listen to this plan in Ephesians chapter 1. God had you planned long before, and that's, that's a very beautiful thing to understand. Ephesians 1, 4, and then verse 11. For he chose us in him, not in the ark, the physical ark, but in Jesus, amen? He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, just like Noah was blameless and holy, amen? In love, then in verse 11, in him, we were also chosen, having been, listen to this, having been predestined according to the plan. He had a plan. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's awesome, amen? And everything that's going on, man, he works according to the purpose of his will, amen? He even takes the sins of men and the, the free will choices people, uh, when the people choose to rebel against him, he says, okay, I know how you'll be. Boom, I'll stick you right here. And it says in, first, in Acts chapter 4 
that they prede- God predestined that plan whereby they, with their wicked hands, they nailed Christ to the cross. He even uses the choices of men. Even the wrath of man, the Bible says, God causes to praise him. That's, that's a powerful God, amen? It's, it would be easy for God to just write a script and just detail and decree every little thing everybody does, you know? That's a lesser God, man. God's far more awesome than that. He can let everybody have a free choice morally to receive or reject him and then work it all out to his glory in the end. Now, it's interesting. So, so God's plan was for Noah to walk in him and to know him, amen? To walk in that ark. Well, guess what? His plan was for you to walk with him from before the foundation of the world and to know him, amen? So you, you need to just rejoice in that. And number three, Noah had to come to him, didn't he? Right? Noah had to come to the Lord uh, Noah and his family had to walk onto the ark, okay? They had to come to him and walk with him and get onto the ark. In fact, Genesis 6, 18 says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. He had to get into the ark, amen? You and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. So he had to come into the ark. Even so, if you want to be saved from the wrath to come, you need to make sure you come to Jesus, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden or heavily burdened, I will give you what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? His yoke is easy, man. His burden is light. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Oh, yeah. The way of life, following Christ, can be hard at times. But when you're yoked to Jesus, it's ultimately easy compared to what it is in the world. How many of you remember how it was in the world? dealing with the guilt of your sins and, and your own life and being lost and in darkness. Oh, you could use some drugs or whatever, entertainment, and try to block it out. But that was an ugly feeling, man. Now as a Christian, man, I, it, it's what a joy it is to be able to put your head on your pillow at night knowing that you are in Christ. But you have to come to him. Come to me. All of you who are weary, who are tired and heavily burdened. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. What does it mean to be yoked? Remember, a yoke was that which a piece of wood and the chains, they would, it would bring two animals together, right? So they could share each other's burden and do, do work together. Well, guess what? Jesus does all the work for salvation, amen? He's already paid the way, amen? In fact, when Noah was, had to get on the ark, what did he have to do before he got on the ark? He had to build it. That sounds like a lot of work. That thing was huge. You don't have to, you don't have to build an ark. All you have to do is get on, Amen? All you have to do is come to Jesus. And then when you're yoked to Jesus, you have eternal life. Amen? And when you're yoked to Jesus, he's stronger and greater than all. He gets you through everything. He's with you through your trials. Amen? He, he just, what a, a beautiful relationship. And then when you walk with Jesus, your eyes are opened. I love Psalm 119 where it says, Lord, the psalmist says, Lord, show me wonderful things from your word, from your law. Remember on the road to Emmaus? These two guys are walking after the resurrection and Jesus in Luke chapter 24 goes up to them because they're talking about what had transpired because Jesus had just been crucified and Jesus walks up to them and he said, what are you talking about? You know? And they're like, well, you're, you know, you visitor in Jerusalem, the only one that doesn't know what's happened here. You know, and they start to recount what happened and how their Messiah was crucified. And then it says, Jesus opened the scripture to them. He opened the scripture to them. And showed them his resurrection in the law. 
and the prophets in the book of Psalms. And I love that because when you walk with Jesus, he opens up your mind and shows you wonderful things from his word. And it's heavy because at first it says he prevented them from seeing him. All right? Now his face had been marred more than any man's. Who knows how exactly he did it, supernaturally or what, but he kept them from seeing who he was. And then he opened up the scriptures to them. Can you imagine you're walking along the road in those days and all of a sudden the resurrected Christ who was just crucified is alive and glorified and he gives you a Bible study while you're walking to Emmaus through Psalms, the prophets, the law, showing you himself throughout those, book, those pages. Whew. Lord God, I sure hope there's instant replay in heaven. I want to see those Bible studies. That would be amazing. But guess what? When we walk with Jesus, Noah walked with Jesus, and this isn't even one of my numbers because I got 10. We could just keep going on, but guess what? God revealed things to him about how to build the ark. When these guys on the road to Emmaus were talking about the Lord, and you could see they had affection for him still, calling them his Lord, he opened up the scriptures to them. I love to walk and talk to the Lord, you know? That's where God speaks to me a lot when I'm, when I'm hiking, biking, uh, usually it's when I'm wet walking though, and just, in, you know, and just, and today Holly and I went for a walk. She was over the house. She goes, hey dad, I'm going to go for a walk. About a half hour, you want to go with me? So we walked for, I don't know how long that was, Holly, 45 minutes or so. She, I walked for like 20, she took 45. I waited at the house when she finally, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. She was actually hoofing up better the hill than I was, you know. Uh, but uh, she's been patient with me, getting older, I guess. But you know, and I, we had great, a, great a great time of fellowship, just talking. But the Lord wants you to have that with him. We want to walk with each other, encourage each other in our walks, amen? And Holly and I were able to do that. We had a great time today. But you want to make sure you're walking with Jesus spiritually. So you can be driving your car and walk with Jesus, amen? Taking a shower, you're walking with Jesus, amen? But I love the road to Emmaus because they're literally walking with Jesus, you know? And they still didn't see who he was. He shares all this with them. And then they sit down. And when, do you remember when their eyes were open, what he did? Do anybody remember that? He broke bread. And then their eyes were open and they realized it was Jesus. Think about it. Why would they recognize it was Jesus when he was breaking bread? What's that? Huh? Well, it could remind them of the Last Supper. We don't know that they were there. Cleopas and... The, two, the guys that were there, because it was breaking bread. But what would they have seen? The bread of life they would have seen, but they would have seen the scars. Oh, and then the bread, the bread of life, which represents him. Powerful. And then you see how you just, you have an aha moment. We just had like an aha moment. You have those aha moments when you're in the word with Jesus. They were with, spending time with him. He opens their eyes scripture, with scripture, and then what? Then they see how he acts in their lives and he reveals himself to them. And then right after that in Luke chapter 24, it says they went and they shared their testimony of what God had done. And that, that's, a, that's what should be happening in our lives. We should be spending time walking with the Lord, having intimacy with him, talking to him in prayer. Amen? As you've received the uh, Lord Christ Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus as your Lord, so what? Walk in him. And then God works in your life. And then you share what God's doing in your life with others. 
But you don't just share what God's doing in your life with others. You listen to them. You want to hear what God's doing in their lives too. Amen? Because we're family. I don't, when I sit together with people and hang out in fellowship, I don't do all the talking. If any of you know me, I listen a lot of times more than I talk. I love to just hear what, people, what God's doing in people's lives. You know? And encourage one another. So we want to encourage one another, but we want to also recognize that Jesus will show up in ways in your life that you don't even expect when you walk with him. And he'll do wonderful things in the Lord. So number three, you need to come to him. You know, look at Jeremiah 6.16. Jeremiah 6.16. This is a scripture that I just find pretty fascinating. I was looking at the scripture earlier today, I think it was, unrelated to this study, but I thought about it when I was putting the study together because I thought this is such a cool scripture. Chapter, it's a sad scripture too, though. Chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, that's Yahweh, Jesus, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths. And these people are in rebellion. Judah, the kingdom of Judah is in rebellion to God, the book of Jeremiah. But they're supposed to Ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and what? Walk in it. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. Amen? Rest for your souls. Amen? Wow. He wants us to do that. And he, said, he says, I love this, he says, where the good way is. Well, we know the good way now. Amen? Jesus. And this is the Old Testament, so... There's prophecies about this branch in the book of Jeremiah. The righteous, who, you know, that who we called, there's a name, a word actually used in Hebrew for, you know, he will be our righteousness and Christ is our righteousness. And sadly it says, that, and he'll give us rest for our souls, but then sadly it says, but they said we will what? Not walk in it. And there's those people out there and we were them before we came to Christ. There's many out there who say, no, I don't want it. And then guess what? Their yoke is going to be hard and it's going to get uglier and uglier. Because for the righteous, the path gets brighter and brighter, amen? But for the wicked, it gets darker and darker and ends in eternal darkness. So I want to make sure you come to Jesus and you're walking with him. Number four, does anybody remember how many ways there were into the ark? How many doors there were? Amen. Everybody's got a one. Good job. Sometimes I think people, sometimes like, it's a trick question. But you're like, no, there's one door. We know that, right? There's only one, only one way in. Guys, the only way you can get on the ark of Jesus, the only way you get in the way ark of salvation is what? One way. Amen? I'm, God purposely made only one door. A, 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 are there boats that big today that have just one door? No. You know, scores of doors on these luxury liners and so forth. One door. For one main reason, because it's a picture of Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's one door. John 14, 6. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I'm the door. Verse 9, he says, if you go some other way, you're a thief and a robber. It's the only door. 1 Timothy 2, 4, God wills that all will be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Then verse 5 says, and there's only one mediator between God and man. The man Christ, Jesus. It doesn't say, oh, and there's a mediatrix, Mary. You could also go to the Father through her and just pray to her. No, it doesn't say that. That's garbage. That's unbiblical. That's actually demonic. You're not supposed to pray to the dead. In fact, in P 
Pete, well, Peter's the first pope and he said that. Peter never said that. In fact, Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, the name of Jesus, amen? So that's number four. There's only one way in. Number five, you can't take another boat to escape God's wrath. And we read in Hebrews 2, 3, how will we escape? How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If Noah's family, Ham or Shem or Japheth said, you know what, Pop, that's good, but you know what, I'm going to make a little boat over here. I don't want to hang out with family. I kind of want to do it my own way. Well, same with Jesus. I mean, he would, be, he would have perished. He would have been dead. Dead meat, man. If you reject Jesus and try to find another way, another boat to heaven, I'll, I'll, I'll go through Krishna, you know. I'll go, I'll go through Muhammad. These aren't even true scriptures, guys. When you read the Vedas, the Hindu Vedas, when you read the, uh, the, the Quran, you can look at them. I've looked at those books. Guess what? There's not an emphasis on Bible prophecy at all. The God of the Bible says, I tell you the end from the beginning. And he says, that's how I show you I'm the one true God. He gives us these prophecies. And he says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation after it was first spoken through the Lord? It was confirmed to us by those who heard. Number six, the ark was pelted with God's wrath. In that context, it was rain flooding the earth. And the ark partook of that wrath and protected Noah and his family from it. Amen? Even so, Jesus protects us from the wrath of the Father that we deserve, and he took our wrath. In fact, if you want, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, where it shows how the ark was a type of Jesus. It was a picture of Jesus. You know what I love about the New Testament? It just drops hints sometimes that this was a type of Christ. Sometimes it just says it straight out. It's a type of Christ, you know? Passover, Christ is our Passover, amen? He's the first fruits of the resurrection. There's another feast right there, amen? He fulfills all, these, all seven of the feasts. But here, he's, we read in 1 Peter chapter three that he's a type, he's a picture of the ark. Or say the ark was a picture of him. He's the antitype. He fulfills what the ark was for Noah and his family, so Christ is for us. Look at chapter three, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all. Praise God. The just for the unjust. Not the just for the elect only, but for all, it says, and the just for the unjust. So if you're unjust, that was, it was for you. So that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Which I personally believe that was to the sons of God, the fallen sons of God who had relations with the daughters of men and were cast into uh, prison. Verse 20, who once were disobedient. When? when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely. How were they brought safely? They were brought safely what? Through the water. Through the water. I wish I would have taken time now that I look at this because I looked at it already, but I always think through the water. It's a great picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, Maybe dia there, D-I-A in Greek. Say dia. And uh, 
but I'm not sure the word through there. I didn't look that word up. I wanted to, but I ran out of time. Through the water. Think of it this way, though, guys. The ark is shaped like a huge casket. Do you know that? You ever look at pictures of the ark? It doesn't look like the Titanic or anything like that. It looks like a huge casket. It's a picture of death. The death of Christ who died on a wooden cross. And it goes through the water. That means it's buried in the water and comes up out of the water. It's a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, when you look at when the ark sat on Mount Ararat, it was at the time and spring of Christ's resurrection. When you look at Noah coming out of the ark, when it's safe for them to get off the ark, what lands? A dove. When Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. I'm not even counting all these things as parallels. We could have 25 parallels tonight or so. I don't know. But these are all pictures. In fact, look at verse 21. Corresponding, what's corresponding? The ark, the ark, Christ's death for our sins mentioned earlier. The ark going in and out of the water corresponds with something. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh. So it's not the water of baptism that saves you. Some people teach that water baptism saves you. But he says, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. See, we're saved by grace through what? Faith. When you're baptized, you're trusting Jesus. Amen? When do we get saved? This, is a, this could be a tricky question. When do we get saved? When we first come to Christ? Yes. But you're being saved right now. And whoever endures the end, who, Jesus said, the one that endures the end shall be what? Saved. Our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Amen? Hebrews, who shall neglect is such a great salvation. There's many scriptures. In fact, the scriptures use the word sozo in the pre- future tense more than the past tense, the word saved. Okay? But that doesn't negate the past tense. Some people just, I had one guy that said, well, and, and we've been teaching that for, since this fellowship started. And I had a gentleman come in here and he was here for a little while. And he said, the salvation is only in the, in the future tense. And you talk about how you've been saved and heard you give your testimony from the pulpit and you talk about how we're saved and we've been saved. And I go, we are saved. And I shared a couple scriptures with him that use it in the past tense. I go, you can't just emphasize the future tense. I mean, you can, but don't say it's not in the past tense. He that has the son has the life, amen? We have salvation right now. You've been saved from the day that you, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, amen? But the minute you call upon the name of the Lord, man, Paul says to certain people to rejoice that your names are written in heaven, amen? Jesus says to the seventy, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Or he rejoiced, I should say, that their names are written in heaven. Paul does, and Jesus tells them to rejoice, not because they have power to cast out devils, because their names are written in heaven, amen? He that has the son has the life. We have eternal life right now. But guess what? We're, but guess what? We're also what? Being saved. I've had, I had three-part series on the past and the present and the future tenses of salvation. And it's, I emphasize that now because when we are uh, trusting in Jesus, we're still being, we're, we, we're justified the moment we turn to Jesus. Amen? 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 And then we're regenerated. We're born again. If you put your faith in Jesus, 
you're forgiven. He comes to live in you. That's regeneration. Then what comes? Sanctification. That very moment you start trusting in Jesus, man. You're justified, then you're regenerated, and then you're, and you're being sanctified, becoming more and more like Jesus. Amen? And you continue to be sanctified day by day. And you're being saved. So when you have the answer of a good conscience towards God, that's just talking about continuing the faith. Baptism is the evidence that you're continuing the faith. It's not the water that saves you, but it says it's the what? The answer or the appeal to God for a good conscience. Through what? Through what? The resurrection of Christ. So that baptism in and out of the water, the resurrection of Christ, you're trusting in his resurrection just as, just as Noah and his family trusted in the ark to go through the water and save them. We trust Jesus who was buried and rose again, amen? He is our ark. I'm not just coming up with some fancy fool, uh, oh, the ark, it looks like a type and there's no scripture on it. Right there is a really powerful scripture in First Peter, amen? So we get to see the mind of God. Okay, and I love number seven. I love it's we have amazing security in the ark. Amen. I mean, that ark was built in such a way that God is the one who ultimately designed it. Amen. God knew the wrath that he'd bring. He knew that it would withstand that wrath. We have some, we have greater security than anybody else on this planet because we are in Christ. Romans 5, 6 through 11, I'll read part of it. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? There's a future tense salvation, by the way, again. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him, that's past tense, we were reconciled through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So he saves us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, that we're not appointed to wrath, but to salvation in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're not appointed to God's wrath. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve God to pour out his wrath on us forever and separate us from him forever with his wrath. But because of his grace and his goodness and his love, we are not appointed to wrath. What a beautiful thing. And we're secure in Christ. It wasn't just that first day they had security. They continue to be secure throughout the duration of the flood. They were secure. We are secure in Christ. If you are in Jesus, you are trusting in Jesus right now, you have eternal security. You are eternally secure. If you are in Christ. Oh, you're saying once you're saved, you're always saved no matter what you do. No, I don't teach that. That's a lie. But I teach this. We are secure in Christ. Amen. If you are in Jesus, you have security. And if you are not preaching that you're secure in Christ... You're not preaching the whole counsel of God. In fact, listen, I, I, one of my favorite passages on the security of the believer is Romans chapter 3, or Romans chapter 8, 32 through 39. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him, that's Jesus, freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Satan? Doesn't say Satan, but... That's who I think, I think about. Yeah, he's accused of the brethren. Well, he says God is the one who justifies. God justifies. It doesn't matter who brings an accusation against you. If you're in Christ, God justifies you. Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. He's not only died, he didn't only die for us, but he prays for us. Amen? Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress 
or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. Wow. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Wow. But, and I love this, but in all these things, that's famine, that's nakedness, that's distress, that's tribulation, that's persecution, that's peril, that's sore, that's death. Yet in all these things, we overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Amen? No matter what you go through, if you are in Christ, you will more than overwhelmingly be conquerors. Amen? Just as Noah was safe through that flood and through that water. Amen? And he was overcomer in the end. If you are in Christ, you will more than overcome. Nakao, overcome. We get Nike from that. Nike, that Nike brand from the word overcome. Victory in the Greek. Nakao, that's the Greek word. We'll, we'll overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, through Christ. Verse 38, I love this. It just gets better and better. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? That's beautiful. And man, I, I remember when I was in, on the hospital bed with COVID and I was told that I wouldn't survive by a very, very renowned cardiologist, uh, I was seeking the Lord, trusting him. And this was one of the passages I memorized. It was really hard to read. I was so, if you've had gnarly COVID, you're just so tired. But I could sure read enough to memorize scripture. So I'd read it and I'd memorize it. I memorized chapter eight verses, I think just a little bit before where I started reading it through verse 39. And I loved it, man. And when you memorize scripture, you're, you're, you're heeding God's word. And I just loved it when I'd get to neither death these other things, none of these things, even death cannot separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It just made me praise the Lord even more. Hide the word in your hearts, guys, no matter what you go through. Amen. Now, you say, well, sometimes I just don't feel so secure because, you know, I just get queasy in my walk with God and so forth. Well, did Noah get queasy, you think, maybe on the ark a little bit? He didn't feel secure probably at times, maybe, we don't know. But he was pretty secure, wasn't he? He was totally secure. He was absolutely secure because God shut that door behind him. Amen. And I love it. Uh, once a man came to D.L. Moody, a prominent uh, preacher, and he asked him, you know, he told him, I don't feel saved, you know. And Moody said, was Noah safe in the ark? And he said, you know, certainly he was. And the man, you know, uh, well, what made him safe, Moody asked the man. The ark or his feelings? What makes us safe? Christ or our feelings? Jesus makes us safe, amen? He's the one who makes us secure, amen? We're secure in Christ. Now, notice the very last verse. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have to make sure you are in Christ. And that term in Christ is used over, I think, 50 some times in the New Testament. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, all things become new. It's not enough to know about Jesus. You have to come, you have to be into him, you have to get into him. 
Amen? That means you come to him and you become part of the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. And as soon as you crawl upon the Lord, you put your faith in Jesus, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. You're in Christ. You're in the ark and you're secure in the ark. Romans chapter 8. Oh, that means I could just do whatever I want since when I get in Christ? No. Romans 11, a few chapters later, it uses not the picture of the ark, it uses the picture of what? The olive tree, amen. And there's branches that are in him. There's branches that were cut off. And the branches that were cut off, Israel, he says, if they don't continue in their unbelief, they could be what? Well, if they don't continue in their unbelief, but they come back, yeah, they'll be grafted back in. But then he does say also that you don't be high-minded against the Jews, but you fear because you've been what? Grafted in by grace through faith, right? And he says they need to continue in faith and consider the goodness and the severity of God. For if God didn't spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. But you must continue in faith, otherwise you too could be cut off. You know what's a really good balanced form of Christianity? To believe Romans 8 and Romans 11, Right? Just believe them both. Yeah, I'm secure in Christ. Do you believe in internal security? Absolutely. I'm secure in Christ right now. You could come, somebody can come in here and shoot me dead. Well, you just sent me to heaven, you know. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You know, I mean, I'm, if you try to do it, I might try to stop you, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do in this pulpit or something, you know. But, uh, but at the same time, I, praise God. We know where we're going. To live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we don't have to freak out with COVID like, oh no, what if I die of COVID? That would be a bummer in a lot of ways still. We'd all miss you, you know, but also it'd be the most glorious day in your life because you'd be with Jesus. If you are, if you've repented and you've come into the ark of Jesus, you're secure in him. Amen. And what joy we have, what security we have in Christ. A couple more. Number eight. The Lord wants to save you and your family. Dad, you have kids? Bring them onto the ark. Bring them to Jesus. Mom, you have kids? Bring them to Jesus. Listen to chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household. For you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. Bring your household. I love Acts in the New Testament. We're supposed to try to bring our household. Paul says in Acts chapter 16, verses 30 through 32, when the prison doors spring open, there's, you know, and God just springs them open and the, the pri other prisoners are freaking out like, what is going on here? They, it's midnight, they're singing psalms, they're singing praise songs to the Lord. He just opens them up, says, then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. Remember the, the guard wanted to kill himself? because he was in big trouble. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household or family. Now, it doesn't mean if he comes to Christ, his family automatically saved, as some of our uh, brethren that believe in covenant theology teach. Because verse 32 says, then Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to him and to everyone in his house. So the kids had a responsibility to heed the word. But dad, you lead the example. How many times have we shared the statistics that when a dad follows Christ, the likelihood that his children follow Christ are very strong. If a dad rejects Christ, doesn't set the example, the likelihood his kids don't follow is very strong. 
Now, a kid is not punished for the sins of his father. He'll be punished for his own choices, but you do set an example. Amen? So we need to be the best examples that we can be. In fact, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Chapter 11. And pick it up there at verse 6. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Look at verse 7 now. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence or in fear, in fear, prepared an ark for the salvation of his what? Household. He didn't just think, man, I praise God I'm going to be saved from this wicked generation. Praise God I'm going to be saved from this, this, the wrath of God that's going to fall. No, he's thinking of others beyond just himself. He prepared an ark, it says, for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Brothers and sisters, God has already prepared the ark for you and your household. You don't have to do all the laborious work that Noah did, as I mentioned earlier. God just asks you to live a godly life and point the way to your kids. Amen? And talk to them about Jesus. And you should be pouring into the life of your children. You need to take this seriously. If you're not yet married, you need to say in your heart, you know what? A big part of being married is not just being a great dad or being a great husband where I love my wife and lay my life down for her. Or I love my husband and I submit to him as I would submit to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5. But a big key in getting married is you're going to have responsibility if the Lord gives you children to bring them up in Jesus, train them in the way they should go. Amen? To bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. To teach them the, the beauty of the gospel and who Jesus is and what he's done. To teach them that guess what? This is a wicked world and we have fallen natures and our natures want to take us down the road to destruction. But we must deny ourselves, take up our crosses, turn to Jesus and follow him. Amen? And the best way to teach them is not just with your words. The best way is with your life. Amen? Because they'll watch you. And they'll watch you and they'll watch you. Lisa and I are very cognizant, you know, that our children, when we, we, they, they watch you like hawks. Because they'll know when you falter. They'll know when you're off. And it'll be glaring if you claim to follow Jesus. And the flesh looks for excuses not to follow Jesus. Do not provide excuses for your children not to follow Jesus. Amen? Walk consistently in the faith. Fear the Lord. Point them to the ark. Point them to the finished work of Christ. But let them see the impact that he's had in your life. Amen? Nine. There's a limited offer. It's not limited as far as who it's offered to. The atonement of Christ is unlimited. He died for everyone. He's a propitiation, it says, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2. Amen. He tasted death for everyone, chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 of Hebrews. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, right? So, but it's limited this way. It's a limited time offer. There was a time where God shut the, the ark's door. In fact, we read that in the scripture that the door was shut and the Lord had shut the door. And the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Amen. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
Listen to this. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 25. And he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, strive agonizomai. So where do we get agony from? Agonizomai, to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, say, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Can you imagine? The ark, you've been hearing about this water's going to fall from the sky. You think that Noah is just all wet. This is a goofy dude, man. Wow, look at how this guy's crazy. But he's a really good, amazing carpenter. But whoa, he's nuts. Continue to do wickedness, stealing from each other, everything else. Then, man, all of a sudden the rain starts falling. What in the world's going on? Then people start to say, well, remember that guy Noah, what he was saying? Because he was a preacher for 120 years, folks. Well, the long-suffering of God was waiting. God was long-suffering. And it's in 2 Peter 3, 9 when it says he wasn't, doesn't will that any would perish, but that all come to repentance. It's in that context that he's been talking about the flood there in, first, in 2 Peter chapter 3. Somehow mockers will rise in the last days, right? Walking after their own lusts, scoffing, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Everything's the same since the beginning of creation. And then Peter says they're ignorant of this fact, right? That the world was once destroyed by flood. There's evidence of the flood all over the planet. There's seashells on the highest mountains, guys, okay? In fact, there's, there's memory in one culture to another throughout the, uh, around the planet of various cultures where they have remembrance of the flood. And he said, but they're willingly ignorant. They don't want to remember. They don't want to, they want to believe in uniformitarianism. Everything is kind of uniform. It just stays the same. But the Bible teaches catastrophism, that God intervenes and brings judgment and they're ignorant of that fact. And he says, next time he comes, it's not with water, Peter says. It's with fire. And the door, it says, will be shut. Just on the ten, like the ten virgins, remember Matthew 25, verses 9 through 11? They all fall asleep, but in verses 9 through 11, the five that wake up but don't have any oil left, they had oil, they come and they knock, but Jesus says it's too late. The door has already been shut. Today, the Bible says, is, that's 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Today is a day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts to where you don't hear his voice anymore. Right now is a day to respond. Right now is a time to make sure that you come to Christ. Amen? So that is absolutely critical that we recognize there's a limited time offer. And you must come to Jesus. Number 10, last one, is... And I love this. I was like, Lord, I want to round this up. I was praying about this. I said, Lord, I want to round this off with number 10. I want to end on number nine. And it hit me, you know, just after I was praying about it. Ah, because I thought about what's a good ending. And I could have made number 10 the resurrection, you know, the date, because I didn't make those parallels. Those are parallels I made, but I didn't give numbers. But it hit me. There's a, there was a new earth, wasn't there? A new earth for Noah, amen? It was renewed. And it was being beautified from all the water that happened. It was, topography was changed to a degree. And it was just, just springtime, new life. Guess what? 
the ark brought them to a new earth. Amen? When you go through 2 Peter and it talks about this fire that's coming, it says everything will be burned up with fervent heat this time, set it with water. 2 Peter 3. But then guess what it says? But he's going to make a new heaven and a new, new earth. Amen? Wherein dwells righteousness. Jesus brings us to a new earth. Amen? So those are 10 I want to share with you, but I want to say a little, just a little bit more, not more than 10, but I want to stop you for a second. If we kept reading right after, then it says in Luke chapter 17, right after Noah, that it says it'd be just like it was in the days of Lot, right? One was taken and one was left. Remember Lot's wife. Guess what? When the Lord returns, it'll be like the days of Noah, it'll be like the days of Lot, but this time it won't be in the ark. We'll be caught up to our ark from the wrath to come and meet Jesus in the air, amen? At a second coming when he comes to just like a thief in the night. He's come like a thief, but it says he'll bring, come like a thief in the night and he'll destroy the wicked. Boom. But we get caught up and we meet him in the air on his way down. It's heavy when you think about it. And could you imagine? Enoch, it says, in chapter five of Genesis, it says he walked with God. Very interesting verse. It says he walked with God and he was not. What? Enoch walked with God and he was not. The rest of that verse, for God what? For God took him, amen? It says two people will be in the field, right? One will be taken, one will be left. You could be working with some. Two people will be at bed. One will be taken, one will be left. So you're working with somebody. You're in the field, man, because you don't have the mark of the beast to buy or sell, so you're like hoeing or whatever. Boom. You're taken. What happened to that guy? Oh, I didn't take the mark of the beast either. Yeah, but did you get in the ark? Are you putting your trust in Jesus or whatever people's excuses will be? It says, we need to make sure. Are you in the ark? What was Noah doing for 120 years? It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that he was a preacher of righteousness. Preach the word. Share the gospel with people. Amen? Don't just be content to be on the ark. Bring other people with you. One thing you know when you walk with Jesus, you learn compassion on people. Remember Jesus? He's walking with his disciples. He's talking with his disciples. What's he teaching them? That the Father cares about the ravens. He cares about the birds. He feeds them. Amen? He cares about the little sparrows that are worth nothing compared to you guys. And he goes to their funerals. He sees when they die. He, they learn to be compassionate on things on other people and to realize God cares for us. He loves us. Amen. We want to be compassionate and get other people in the ark. You know what? I was sent a text today, which I just thought was so uh, cool. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. It's definitely worth reading. I think you'll want to, you'll want to hear this. Yes, there it is. And this was, uh, somebody just sent this in. And this was uh, somebody, and somebody was street witnessing in our group, our fellowship. And when people street witnesses, sometimes they'll pass out our videos and stuff, which are made to win the loss to Christ and to strengthen the church. And this dear sister said, hey, I got saved in Burbank, California. I just read this this morning. It just came in. About 13 years ago, when street preachers gave me one of the DVDs, I was working in the film TV industry and had already earned my SAG card and or my SAG card and was so lost, emphasized along so, lost is capitalized. The street preachers didn't know me or what I did for a living. 
The DVD was about how the devil has infiltrated the entertainment industry, and I knew it. And it was true because of what I had already experienced. I fell on the floor in my Burbank apartment and repented and asked Christ to forgive me for my seeking, for seeking self-glorification. Today, underlined, I'm a 34-year-old wife, mama, homeschool mama, classical educator, and so many other things, thanks to God's mercy and grace. I've never forgotten to tell, I've never forgotten to tell you thank you, big thank you, all caps. My family knows my testimony. We call it the devil DVD. I just want you to know that God used your ministry to cause the fear of God to fall on on me. And I've never, ever been the same. All praise to Jesus. Prayer heart. Praise God. God. Amen. That's good. That's what it's all about. You know what? I wanted to share that with you because Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He sowed the seed. He could have said, nobody's listening. Well, at least his kids and his wife listened, right? Jeremiah didn't have many converts when you read Jeremiah, but he continued to sow the seed. He even wanted to give up at times. Well, guess what? I don't know who, because we do a lot of, we do street witnessing this fellowship. I don't know who 13 years ago gave her the DVD, but that person had no idea that person was getting home and that that's been her life since. Amen? You don't know. You just sow the seeds, man. Right? The Bible says that one person sows, Right? Another one reaps, right? Others water. But the Lord gives the increase, amen? So we just, we just do his will. Let's preach righteousness. We're in days where Jesus said be like the days of Noah, but one of the things that characterize the days of Noah is Noah preached righteousness, amen? Righteousness only comes through faith in Christ because all our righteousness is like filthy rags. Let's make sure we share Jesus and his salvation with others, amen? And do not despise the day of little things. Ah, oh, nobody really listened. Did you get a few tracks out? Praise the Lord, because there's the gospel. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power for God to salvation to everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Greek. Amen? So let's not shrink back from sharing the gospel. Get in the ark. If you're not in the ark, turn to Jesus and be saved if you're not saved. I think most of you, if not all of you are, hopefully all of you are. Amen? And now bring other people. Bring your family with you. You can't force them, man, but you can sure pray for them and you can sure share the word with them you can sure plant seeds with them amen and share the good news with the lost amen praise god let's all stand